just want to say thank you for your goodness, your blessings to us, all the things that you have given us. We thank you for your word, and Lord, that we can study it and preach it and hear it and learn from it, and Lord, that you would increase our faith. Lord, we thank you for calling us and using us in your service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right, I want to welcome you to our Thanksgiving service. And uh, I, I did not have time to really check the records, but uh, tonight I'd like to just preach a sermon on what Jesus was thankful for. There are just a few instances in the scriptures where it says Jesus gave thanks. And uh, as I looked at those and, and just put them in the order of occurrence, actually, it, uh, it just fell into a sermon. And I figured, well, that ought to be uh, uh, a good direction for us, a, a good place for us to um, take uh, the idea of what thankfulness is for so often we are we are thankful for the wrong things, and uh, we we need to uh, really uh, look and pray and, and understand that thankfulness is one of the most important things in in our life. The Bible says in Romans chapter one, as we look through there, that uh, the point, the tipping point, the turning point from truth to utter reprobation where it says Jesus completely gave them over, it says that first step was neither were they thankful. And what we we need to understand tonight is that Jesus wants us to be thankful for, uh, for things. He wants us to rest on Him. Being unthankful is actually saying that God made a mistake. And of course, we know that God never makes a mistake. We, we know that with our heads. Uh, we know that by the Word of God. But how many of you sure felt that way sometime in your life? And, and that's because we listen to what's going on here in our own hearts rather than listening to what's going on here in the Word of God. Now, before we start what Jesus was thankful for, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 17 because it's rather unusual uh, in this story that Jesus told in this parable that he was using to help the disciples understand how to get more faith. He talked about not being thankful for something, Luke chapter 17 and yet, if you and I will uh, look in our own lives, in the world in which we live, this is the centerpiece uh, of what we call human relationship here on earth. And yet, Jesus says that he didn't do this, that, that this is not in the essence of what real faith is. Is uh, Let's just start reading here uh, in... Uh, Verse 6, and the Lord said, if you had grain, faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey you. 
But which of you, having a servant, plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, or immediately, when he is come from the field, Go and sit down to meat, and will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Verse 9, this is the thing. Doth he thank the servant... Because he did the things that were commanded him. I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Now, this is Jesus in answer to the disciples of increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith. Verse 5, I believe it is. And, uh, yes, and as Jesus gives this story here, he says, Doth the Lord thank his servant for doing what he was told? And yet, we go into a restaurant, and you order at the counter, and they hand you the food over the counter, and you're supposed to put something in the tip jar. Does anybody see the correlation between that attitude and the attitude that Jesus spoke against? Or am I the only one? Can you go like this if you do? And does it make sense? And you see, we have this idea that everything we're supposed to do is supposed to be, please, thank you, when we should be doing it anyway. Isn't it interesting that Jesus said, you, he don't, you don't thank the servant. And this attitude is the attitude that will increase our faith. If you're doing something to be recognized, if you're doing something to hear that thankful, the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, are reserved for the Lord Jesus Christ on Judgment Day when we have finished this life. And so, if you're alive, I want to challenge you as we look at the things that Jesus was thankful for, that we would be very careful what we look to be thanked for what we do. That we would have an attitude, this attitude that is here, I am not. I am serving the Lord because He is God. That's the attitude that will increase your faith. You know why? Because if you're doing something or anything in service for God, waiting to hear or, or seek recognition for that, who did it in the first place? If we are serving God God's way, who does the work? God does, doesn't he? And so we need to be... I, I like what... Uh, I, I use it ever since I heard it. I, I remember uh, uh, Julie and I weren't even dating at this point. I was just visiting her family. And, and I had heard the Marshall family sing the first time in person. And uh, I was just thrilled. It was beautiful. Praise the Lord. Godly music. 
And, and I went up and said, that, that just was fantastic. And they said, praise the Lord. Now, wow, what an answer. Is when we do something that brings praise to the Lord, that we would defer that thanksgiving and that praise to the Lord. Amen? And it's if we will look at what Jesus was thankful for, at least I have, as I go through the message tonight, it, it puts these things in a little different light than we normally do. Let's turn in our Bibles, if you would. We're going to have to um, get your fingers limbered up here. We're going to go to several different places. But the first place is Matthew chapter 15. One of the few stories that is recorded in all four of the Gospels, the feeding of the 5,000. And of course, we know what Jesus gave thanks for. The little boy's lunch. Amen. Verse 36, and he took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks and break them. And distribute and, and and gave to the the disciples and the disciples to the multitude. Actually, this is the feeding of the four thousand. I'm sorry. And also, Jesus did the same thing in, in John chapter six when he fed the five thousand. What was Jesus being thankful for here? He was giving thanks for what was actually. Not his, it was given to him. It was at one time the little boy's lunch, uh, the feeding of the 5,000. Here, in the feeding of the 4,000 in Matthew chapter 15, it was food that the disciples had had in store. It was just a few loaves. It was just a, what we would say a snack here. And the other was a little boy's lunch. And Jesus was thankful when insufficient means was put fully under his control. How are you going to feed 5,000 people with just a few soda crackers and a couple of sardines? I mean, that's basically what the boys' lunch was. Dried fish and, and uh, soda crackers. Uh, that wouldn't even be a pleasant lunch. Um, I don't mind the canned sardines because there's a little oil in there and stuff like that. But I mean, just dried fish and, and soda crackers would be, whew, that'd be a little rough, wouldn't it? But Jesus was thankful when less than what was needed was put under his full control. Do you think that has an application to you and I today? We, we are not sufficient to the work the Lord has called us to do. I think it was D.L. Moody who was attributed with this statement that God, uh, the world has yet to see what God could do with one life wholly given to the Lord. And I would dare say that that statement holds true to this day. He made that statement in the 1870s, 1880s, somewhere around there. And yet, the Lord was thankful when the disciples brought to him insufficient means. You know why the Lord likes having less than what he needs to get the job done? 
and so that he can perform the miracle to get the job done. You see, Jesus knew what he was going to do. And if you'll read all of John chapter 6, we had a small group of this 5,000 people that were being fed here that chased him across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. Uh, and, and they wanted to follow Jesus around wherever he would be and, and eat every day by the miracles of Jesus so they wouldn't have to work. And, and they were going to make him the Messiah. They said they would take him by force and make him the king because he could provide for them. Jesus did the miracles so the people would look to him. And yet, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says that in the ages to come. He wants us to give ourselves to him as insufficient to get the job done. And then he'll take us and make us what we need to be so that he can use us. Amen? This is a pattern that I would hope and pray that we would want established in our hearts and minds. And yet it fits so perfectly with Luke chapter 17. Doth he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? You know, we've not done anything exceptional when we've surrendered ourselves to the Lord. The Lord has done something exceptional. He accepted us. When He uses us in His service, it's not we that have done something exceptional. It is the Lord that has done something exceptional. And if there's any reason to be thankful, it's when God will take your personal life and use it in His service. As I was chasing down paperwork, I was at uh, several different departments of the city of New York. In fact, I was getting a little frustrated. I told the one secretary, if I could just find, it's not my office. Because that's where everybody tells me the answer is. It's not my office. And she looked at me rather funny. And, and, uh, and, uh, and I finally found, it's not my office. Uh, walked in and I said, listen, I've been everywhere. And they say, it's not my office. The guy said, it's my office. That's why. And uh, they had the answers. It was amazing. I couldn't believe it. He just sits there, touches a few buttons, and what we've been searching for for nearly a year was right there, uh, uh, shined on the wall. He said, I can't give you this information. I said, can I take a picture of it with my camera? He said, there's no rules against that. And so we got all that we need and uh, very simple, and, and he began asking questions about the building, and I said, you know, it's, it's taken us a whole set of, uh, uh, of miracles to get this far. And, uh, and, uh, the, the thing, and, and they took that and, and looked at that and said, wow, this is, this is incredible. I said, now, now we just need to get into the building. And he said, I, I think you'll have a, no problems there, so we hope he's right. Amen. And uh, yet... We've not done anything extraordinary. It's God that's done the whole thing. It's not about us. It's about the Lord. And for that, 
can we not be truly thankful to the Lord Jesus Christ? Because you see, the next time Jesus offers thanks, it echoes this same exact sediment. If you turn with me to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, Matthew, Mark, Luke 10. In verse 21, Jesus here was speaking to um, the disciples. He had just finished upbraiding the cities that had, wherein he had done his most, uh, the greatest miracles of his ministry and had condemned them for their unbelief. He had said that, uh, it would be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon, Gentile cities, uh, a very poor testimony, than the cities of Chorazin and uh, Bethsaida. He goes on to talk about Capernaum, that it would have been better to live in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah on Judgment Day than to live in Capernaum during the ministry of Christ and reject His works. And yet, that's what most of the people who lived in the cities did. And the disciples that he had sent out returned to him. And the 70 in verse 17. And then we get to uh, uh, down to verse 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid, hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. Here we have Jesus rejoicing in spirit and publicly giving thanks to God. You see, I don't know that any of us in this room would raise our hand and say, I qualify as worldly wise and prudent. I mean, I don't have degrees. I don't have any proof of that thing. I mean, and any wisdom that I do possess, I would attribute to the Lord and the Holy Spirit of God, not to my own learning or my own abilities. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He's chose the ignorant of this world to confuse the educated. Why has the Lord done that? So he can get the credit? Amen? Now, if you're thankful that God has used you in his service, that you... Uh, if you can think of times in your life where you've surrendered your insufficiency, where you've just given the Lord your life and He has used you, you have something to truly be thankful for. Amen? But here, what he's saying is, building upon this thought, we're going back to thank, uh, not thanking the servant for doing what his duty was to do, how would you like the position of making God look good? That's what Jesus is talking about in this phrase. 
in the world, we have a lot of this going on. Politics, it's just absolutely amazing. You will have a, uh, a president that is looking to promote himself and promote his vast ability and intelligence, and so he will pick the, uh, uh, the most, uh, how shall we say this kindly, intellectually lacking man in Washington, D.C. And he summed it up this way. Well, everybody's got an Uncle Joe. That's what our current president said about Joe Biden and some of the foolish, inane things that he has pulled off in the eight years of being vice president. Uh, We know the trick. Obama picked somebody dumb to be his vice president so he looks smart. That's what the world does. But here's what God does. You've got to follow close or you're going to be insulted. God takes things that are wholly inadequate, totally unusable, and He changes us and transforms us into His image. You see, He doesn't use us so He looks good. He changes us so that He looks good. Do you see the difference? I mean, it's, it, somebody said, oh, you're just playing. No, I'm not playing with words. There are two kinds of people out there. There are the people that use people and the people that help people. Jesus has chosen us as foolish and unbelievable as we are. He changes us. And now the glory that He gets, we have the opportunity to make Jesus look good. How many of you remember Acts chapter chapter 4? And they took note the disciples had been with Jesus. You see, that's what this verse is talking about. The disciples never went to Pharisee school. They weren't smart enough to get in. But there they are confounding the Pharisees and the high priest. And all of the greatest minds of the Jewish world. Quoting scripture to them that they already knew. And they're going, where in the world did you learn the Bible? You didn't come to our school. You didn't study in our synagogues. Where, where did you learn all this? Well, they must have learned it from Jesus. And even his most bitter opponents had to take note. And say, Jesus did something to these dumb fishermen. Hey. Isn't it wonderful to know that I don't have to be good enough to be used by God? That my insufficiency is all He wants. Isn't it wonderful to know 
that He doesn't use me as the world uses people. He transforms me and He changes me. I love to say it. Jesus' love demands that you come to Him just the way you are. But His love is so great that it will not allow you to stay that way. He's got to change you. He's got to transform you. I met a young man on the subway today coming back from the building department and uh, he identified himself as a rapper for Jesus. And I'm sitting there, he was come, he came on the subway car and, and started giving his little rap there and, and, uh, and I said, Lord, do you really want me to talk to this guy? Uh, and... So I, I just prayed and I kept my mouth shut, got off the train, and there he was just standing on the wall doing nothing. I said, okay, here we go. I, I know where the conversation is going to end up. He said, what, how were you raised? See, I was raised with nothing and in poverty and rap is my form of expression. And, and, and you can't tell me that it's not good music. And I'm sitting there going, how in the world do you get there? The most vile elements of our society invented this thing called rap. And I looked at him and I said, how do you get off going to the garbage cans of this world and offering what's in the trash cans of the world to God? Oh, I see what you're saying. He actually said that. And then, He says, why am I even entertaining this? I don't need to talk to you and walks off. You see, we need to get a hold of something. God does not accept who and what we are. He changes us. He wants us to bring to Him offerings worthy of Of his goodness. And he rejoiced in his spirit that God could take the things that this world despised and transform them to bring glory to his name. Can we say amen to that? You see, there's two more. Let's go to John chapter 11. And in verse 41, it says, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth. Jesus gave thanks for an answered prayer before God answered it. You know why? Because he was confident and he knew that God was going to answer that prayer. Amen? 
And why did Jesus do this act? He remember, he waited four days. The, the day that the sister's messengers got to him, Lazarus died. And Jesus waited for, um, and, or just shortly afterwards, they don't give us the exact timetable there, but Jesus waited four days and then he traveled. He gets there and they said, Lord, he's been in the grave for four days. And Jesus said, I want you to see the glory of God. See, don't ever get this idea that God does not want to be glorified here and now. God wants His name lifted up. God wants to be glorified. And Jesus was publicly thanking the Father. It was this miracle, the greatest miracle that Jesus performed other than His own resurrection, was the resurrection of Lazarus. And it tells us, for this cause, many of the Jews went away from the Pharisees, from the synagogues, from the traditions, and believed on Jesus. You know, I I believe Jesus is still in the miracle working business. How many of you believe that? But let me ask you a question. How many of you want to trace the steps of Mary and Martha to get to the point where Jesus performed the miracle? See, that's no such an easy question to answer, is it? Because they went through great turmoil of soul and much suffering. They thought Jesus had failed them. In fact, it was Martha's that had more faith than Mary who sat at Jesus' feet, I believe, by reading the story, because it was Martha that went out to meet Him. It was Martha that said, Lord, if Thou had been here, my brother hadst not died. But I know even now... Mary stood in the house and didn't come to meet Jesus until Martha prodded her to do so. Someone once said, oh, that's because she had peace. And she was just fully content in the Lord. And I said, well, the only problem is her statement was, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died, period. Now, this is just my own opinion, but that period is deafening to me. That wasn't Martha's faith. Martha said, but even now. Even now, I know you can do whatever you want to do. Martha did offer an objection when Jesus said to open the tomb. And uh, most of us would have as well if that had been our loved one there. But when Jesus said, do you want to see the glory of God? She said, take away the stone." And Jesus said, I want to thank God because he's going to do something to glorify me and cause people to believe on me. I'll tell you, Jesus still wants to do things that will cause people to believe on him. I love telling the story of the miracle on 35th Street. I'm glad we got some miracles on Noble Street to add to it. 
But you know the greatest miracles are the stories that we really can't tell. How that God grabbed a hold of sinners on their way to hell. And he saved them. He called one of them to go back out and start a church. Amen? Brother Franz, am I allowed to embarrass you? Came to church as a teenage boy. Lost. Had no idea what was going on. Now God's doing a work. And we're going to pray. And you need to be starting to pray now that God will make Brother Franz into the preacher that God wants him to be so that people will be drawn to Jesus. That's the job of a preacher. Amen? And for this, we ought to be incredibly thankful to God. I am so glad. I remember years ago reading a book and it said, soul winning, it said, if you're going to win people to Jesus, you must win them to yourself first. And I said, boy, I'm in the wrong business. Uh, I, I don't do that very well. And then I realized that that was just human reasoning. I don't win people to me. Jesus has to change their hearts. That's how a person gets saved. Oh, how many people are going to be woken to utter dread and eternal torment because they believed all their life they were doing the right things and they were pleasing God and they had God's favor because they were born a son of Abraham as the Pharisees were in Jesus' day. Because they gone to church, have gone to church and they performed every duty the priest told them to perform. And uh, just Saturdays, passing out tracts and I went to give one and they said, I'm Catholic, I'm good. And just <laughs> saying something isn't going to help. Only God can work on that heart. And then the last thing that Jesus gave thanks for. Let's turn in our Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 22. And of course, this isn't the only passage, but this was the night in which Jesus was betrayed. We're going to start reading in verse 17. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and said, and gave it, gave unto them saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. You know, Jesus gave thanks for the elements of what we call the Lord's Supper today. You know why he was thankful? Number one, that which had been planned before the foundation of the universe was about to be fulfilled. 
that He, the eternal God, would accomplish in a set period of time what would take every man, woman, and child that's ever lived in the human race in eternity in hell to accomplish. That He would be able to fulfill to the umpteenth degree every moment of the wrath of Almighty God against sin so that He could offer to us eternal life through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Jesus grieved for three hours in the garden to show us, to uh, let us see just a moment of the anguish of His soul as He faced bearing the sin and the judgment of God for all of our sins. But he, as God, was thankful that it was him and not us. I don't get that. I mean, I do, but there's nothing that makes sense as to why he would do that. Except the word love. Amen? And he was also thankful that it was a one-time event. And that when he uttered those words, it is finished. Only one word in the Hebrew. That forever, it would never be repeated. That we would remember the finished work of Jesus. And by the way, the Sunday after the missions conference, uh, I believe that's the 11th, uh, we would like to have the Lord's Supper at uh, 5.15 before the evening service, the Sunday after the missions conference. And so, I want you to think about these things. This is what Jesus gave thanks for in the Scripture. It's interesting as he explained to the disciples how to increase their faith, that he said, do you thank the servant for doing what he did, was supposed to do? No. In fact, he even used the exclamation, I trow not. Don't give me any of the, and don't tell me anything else, is what he was saying. You're not going to tell me that you're one of those people that's thankful to the servant for doing what their duty was. That's not human nature. And yet, Jesus thanked the disciples for bringing to him what could not possibly meet the need. Because it would be Jesus that would make the difference. Amen? He was thankful to God for taking the uneducated, the babes, as Jesus called it in the verse that we read, and not using the wise and the prudent and the knowledgeable and the educated. Not so that he could use us to make him look better, but that people would give him glory by the work that he had to do to transform our lives so he could use us. Amen? Jesus was thankful when God put before him that opportunity of raising Lazarus from the dead so that even those 
who were part of the Pharisees would be shaken to their roots and would turn from their traditions. And I'll tell you what, Jesus is still into shaking people up and causing them to stop and turn and come to him. And for that, we're thankful. Amen? And we should be thankful most of all for the one-time sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what He has done to save us. That we don't have to repeat the crucifixion of Christ often as some religions do. That we can rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ and know that our eternity is secure in the finished work of the Savior. And all God's people said, Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. Lord, I pray that we would allow ourselves to understand the things that Jesus was thankful for. And Lord, we would allow these things to be reflected in our relationship to you. In fact, that we would offer ourselves as insufficient to the need. Lord, that we would bring ourselves as the babes of this world, not relying on our talents or our abilities, but wholly upon You. Lord, that we would be willing, as Mary and Martha became, to be walked through the veil of suffering, that we may show this world how great You really are. And Lord, that we'd be thankful that all we have to celebrate the greatest work that was ever done on the behalf of mankind is simple, pure grape juice and simple, pure bread. Representing, remembering when Jesus died in our place. Lord, we're thankful that you've done so much for us. Lord, we're thankful that when you use us, it's only because of the changes that you've made in our hearts and lives. Lord, we pray that you would increase our faith by putting our vision by locking in our sight on Jesus and Jesus alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If we could have the piano, if you could play 500 all for Jesus. We won't sing the words tonight. If we could just play that song. Think.